Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey everybody, Sean Duffy here for Jimmy Fallon. Welcome to Fox Across America. Uh, Jimmy's on special assignment. I think he's out with Judge Jeanine somewhere in America. So I got the great privilege being asked to come in and come in and fill uh, fill in for Jimmy. Uh, again, I'm Sean Duffy, former lumberjack sports competitor, former prosecutor, former DA, also a former member of Congress. A lot of formers, but the big highlight of my career is to come into Jimmy's studio and fill in for him for three hours. And so when I came in, I thought, you know what? I'm going to sit down in a beautiful other chair, probably with a gold microphone. But that is not what Jimmy's studio looks like. It looks like it's his fourth grade bedroom. He has G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Transformers, a mesh jersey. This is like straight out of 1980, Jimmy Fela style. I'm going to start calling him Jimmy Winter, not Jimmy Fela. Uh, but he let me fill in from today, so I'm grateful for that. Listen, there is so much going on. But before I do that, I want to hit one more thing for Jimmy because tomorrow he's going to be on Gut- Gutfeld. Monday, Jimmy's going to be on Gutfeld. And he's doing the big Saturday, big Sunday show tonight. I'm, I'm sorry, this weekend on Fox News, 5 o'clock Eastern. Big Saturday, big Sunday. Uh, a little later today, I'm going to uh, be filling in for Larry Kudlow on Fox Business. You can check that out. Um, but, I, you know, in regard to Jimmy, and I, this, there's, a, there's a point behind this, because I think it's, it's so important in this news cycle to talk about the facts, but it's become so negative, so chaotic, that you have to bring a little humor to the conversation. And I think Jimmy does such a great job at that, making us laugh a little bit at how bad things are. Uh, which is why he's all over Fox, and he's such a rock star and sexy as well. So uh, we're lucky to have him, and I'm lucky to fill in for him. But l- let's talk about what's what's going on across America, because um, you know here we have um, on June 9th, 2022, we have a show trial going on tonight in Washington D.C. on the January 6th protests. Yesterday, we had a gunman who launched a plan to actually kill Judge Kavanaugh because he was angry at what uh, Judge Kavanaugh uh, might rule in regard to Roe v. Wade. Crime is spiking across American cities. There's 15,000 migrants that are sitting off the U.S. border in Mexico waiting to storm into our country and demand demand asylum and probably citizenship. By the way, that 15,000 people uh, that we see in one caravan is the amount of people that come into this country every single day. It's a massive number. And again, Joe Biden, the Democrats, don't want to touch immigration. They want to open, open the border up, let everyone stream and flow in. But on top of that, the things that really matter in everyone's everyday life, gas prices um, uh, are pushing $5 a gallon, all-time highs. Inflation, a 40-year high, running 8%. A year, and by the way, if if you go to the grocery store, you know I've seen the 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 stats on what do eggs cost, what does milk cost? Eggs up twelve percent, milk's up eighteen percent. I don't know where those numbers are coming from, because I have nine kids, eight, uh, seven of them are at home, me and my wife Rachel. So there's nine of us that I shop for. There's no way 
that food prices are up only 8% because my bill for grocery shopping is up at least 50%. Uh, and you feel it. And everyone across America is feeling that uh, inflation. And by the way, uh, moms across America with, with new babies can't buy formula to feed their children. So the country's in chaos. And I just, I've, I'm so grateful that we have elected a president who can, can see the pain of America, a president who wants to bring America together, unite us, because that's what he ran on, right? He's going to unite America, um, and he's not Donald Trump. And he made a lot of great promises. But for the first time in 118 days, Joe Biden made an appearance on a network. And the hard-hitting interview, he was, he was on with Jimmy Kimmel, who was, by the way, a, a big left-wing nut himself. Joe Biden goes on and talks about a whole host of, of, of topics. I want to talk about those with you this morning or, or this afternoon, wherever you're listening from. Let's go to cut two. We have the fastest-growing economy in the world, the world, the world. We have 8.6 million new jobs just since I got in office. Unemployment rates down to 3.6%. We've reduced the deficit last year by $320 billion. This year, we're going to reduce it by $1.7 trillion. Trillion dollars. Right. And so we're the strongest economy, and that's allowed us at least to stay on top of and a little bit ahead of what's happening around the world. What? Is it, does this guy live under a rock? Does he not talk to average Americans? That this is the greatest economy, that things are going really well for Americans? Does Joe Biden not look at the polling numbers? Because Joe Biden just this week fell under 40%. I think he's, he, his polling is the worst polling numbers of any president in modern times. Because Americans can't stand the economy. They can't stand this administration. They can't stand their priorities. And when asked, do they support Joe Biden? The answer is no. I mean, one of the one of the greatest voting blocks of the Democrat Party is the Hispanic voter. They get roughly 60 percent of the Hispanic vote. If you're a Republican and you get 40 percent of the Hispanic vote, you are doing great. Joe Biden's approval rating for Hispanics just fell down to 23 percent. Joe Biden is catering with Hispanics, young adults catering. He's actually losing support from African-Americans. Joe Biden is down everywhere with every voting base in this country. And he has the audacity to go on Jimmy Kimmel and tell us that things are going great. And by the way, he, he, he says, uh, I've cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion. Do you know why that is? Because Joe Biden spent $1.9 trillion on a COVID relief package and right after that, they spent $1.2 trillion for uh, an infrastructure bill. So all told, they spent $3.1 trillion on COVID and infrastructure. And so now you look, we're not going to spend that $3 trillion because they blew the bank last year. So, of course, the government spending is going to go down. I mean, the, the, he, Joe Biden thinks we're stupid. And Jimmy Kimmel sits there and smiles at him like Joe Biden is so smart. Uh, but he goes on. Let's go to let's go to cut one. With respect to energy, the uh, administration has done everything that they can to bring down energy costs. For example, through um, some of. Oh, I guess I guess we don't have uh, that. Wasn't cut one, by the way. That was this was cut one. Was Jimmy Kimmel uh, talking about? Um, 
uh, food uh, prices and gasoline prices. And all that Joe Biden was doing, he was talking to Kimmel, saying, you know what, I'm going to work on, you know, health care and, and prescription drugs and child care. I'm going to work on those things as Americans' prices are going up. That's what cut one was supposed to be. I'm new in the seat here, so uh, not sure I'm doing it right. But that's what Joe Biden was talking about. And I think that's really important because this unmasks what Democrats are doing. As you see horrible policy that drives prices up, again, at the grocery store, at the gas pump, Joe Biden policies are making you poorer. And as you have less money to pay for the necessities of life. All right, let's, we have the clip now. Cut one. Inflation is the, is, is, the, is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. You know, my dad used to say every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. If you take and look at all the costs that a family has on a monthly basis, it also includes health care, prescription drugs, child care, all those things. What I'm proposing we get, and I think we can get it done, I'm proposing that we, in fact, reduce the cost of those things. That is the key. This is what it's all about. So, so think about that. As prices have gone up, Joe Biden is not saying drill, baby, drill. What do we have to do for American oil and gas to produce more oil? What do we have to do to build more pipelines? What do we have to do to build more refineries in America to drive the cost of oil and gas down? What do we have to do in regard to food prices at the grocery store? Joe Biden's not focused on any of that. What Joe Biden is saying to the American people, who, by the way, are free people, he's saying, here's what we need to do. We need the government now to step in and provide you more assistance in regard to health care prescription drugs, child care. I want you, the free man, the free woman, to be more reliant on the government. The government's not going to fix inflation, but the government is going to give you the, the, the crumbs off their plate and make you reliant on them. And so as you take more from the government, you become less free and the government becomes more powerful. Wouldn't it be great to have a president that said, you know what, I want to make sure you're as free as possible, that you can actually have a job, make enough money to pay for your house, your food, your gas. You can go on vacation with your family. That's what America is all about. America and freedom are not about reliance upon a federal government, because when you rely on your federal government, they have power over you. If, they, if you rely for your housing, your health care, your food, they can take it away from you. You're not free. That's what this is about. This is about putting more power and more control in government, which means you have less freedom. That's what this plan from Democrats is all about. That's why Joe Biden throws his arms up and says, not much I can do about uh, gas prices, not much I can do about food prices. I can't fix inflation because he doesn't want to try. This is all part of the strategy making you more reliant on government and less free. And they said it right here with Jimmy Kimmel. He probably went off script. He wasn't supposed to say that, but he said that quiet part out loud, loud, and we heard it firsthand. So, uh, listen, you're listening to Fox Across America. I'm Sean Duffy in for Jimmy Fallon. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's like it's a, it's a game changer. 
All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. And there have been no uprisings. People haven't taken to the streets except for locally. So I hope there will be a national uprising, but I'm concerned that the stomach for that isn't there. Protests outside Supreme Court justices' houses, particularly Justice Kavanaugh. Um, where do you think that line is? I think for a lot of people, the, a conversation about civility feels um, like it misses the mark mm. when constitutional rights that you believe that you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned. It's so funny. So does what uh, Alito wrote. Looks the same way to me. Looks like intimidation. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, it's kind of the same thing. But it, it also sh- uh, shows Alito what it feels like to lose your freedom of choice. He cannot leave the house easily. So maybe that's a good lesson for them. Well, and I will say... In my civilest way possible, may I humbly request that you f*** the f*** off How dare Republicans demand civility as they strip away our civil rights? When Susan Collins gets a sidewalk full of bubble letter chuck, she is not the victim. When Amy Coney Barrett's tacky-ass McMansion is visited by a pack of roaming handmaids, she is not the victim. The real victims in this atrocity of a court decision will be the people who live in the more than 20 states that would ban abortion after Roe is overturned. Oh, I yearn, yearn for the days when uh, we had the the liberals with Birkenstocks and, and, and peace-loving. You know, they come at this with an idea that if there is something they disagree with, violence is okay. Uh, but if you use violence against them, it's absolutely um, horrific. And by the way, I think all Americans should stand up against any kind of violence against anybody. It doesn't have any space in our uh, political dialogue. But to talk more about this, let's bring in Carrie Severino. She's the, judi- the Judicial Crisis Network president, also a former law clerk for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Carrie, thanks for joining me. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, so let, let's talk about this. Yesterday, Judge Kavanaugh uh, had someone come outside his house. Uh, they had a gun. They had a knife. Uh, they had uh, 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 zip ties, which, by the way, Democrats talk a lot about zip ties at the Capitol. But this young man had zip ties, duct tape, um, all kind of things to go in. And he said he wanted to kill Judge Kavanaugh. What kind of impact do the protests that we just heard about outside justices' homes, but also a threat like this where someone actually comes with a gun to a justice's home, what kind of impact does this 
have on the justice themselves? Uh, yeah, you know, they, the court has already been thrown into incredible disarray following this leak, the, realizing that you can't actually trust the people you're working most closely with, that someone there has betrayed the confidence of the court, is already bad enough. They have an incredibly uh, important term this year, lots of really significant cases, and now they're trying to do their work in the context of not just the, the inchoate sort of threats in the background, not just sort of the, uh, the people who are threatening, you know, like walking in front of someone's house, and you heard some of the language that, that, that you played before. This is people who are actually saying, no, we shouldn't have civil dialogue. That's kind of concerning, right? This is not talking about – you think of the hundreds of thousands of pro-lifers that march every year on the court. They're concerned because they say human beings are being killed here, and yet they're, they're also saying we have to protest peacefully, not this gives us free reign to do any type of violent or insulting or threatening act possible. So in the context of that, now you add this very tangible threat, a, a person who is on Kavanaugh Street, who got out of his car in front of the house, and then, thank God, just happened to uh, turned and, dis- and changed his mind at the very last minute. Um, this could have been such a tragedy. And I, I'm shocked by the lack of outcry across the board. This is something that I think if you, if you talked even before this, to the average American Democrat, Republican, they, they recognize people should be protesting at the court, not in front of justices' homes. That crosses a line of privacy and really of safety, and now we're seeing why that's the case. And so I, I'm just really disappointed that the president, while he has thankfully agreed that this is the, actually threatened to assassinate justice, is out of line. You know, kudos to him for that. But we're not seeing someone saying, you know what, it's time to stand down on these protests, take it to the court. You had people marching in front of his house even last night in the wake of all this. You know, what, how, how tone deaf can you be to what's really going on with these justices who are real people, who have real families in real danger? And those families feel really threatened. And I mean, by the way, so when I was in Congress and people could come and protest outside of my home. They come and protest at my office. Uh, I, didn't, I don't like it. I think it's uncouth. I think it's inappropriate. But they can do that and it's not illegal. Um, but it's illegal to protest outside of a judge's home or uh, outside of, you know, where a jury jury is deliberating because we don't want politics to influence decisions on law or fact. And so we say, you know what, you can't do that. And so, one, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not lawful. But, two, I'm concerned about the security of the court. The, the Senate passed a bill. Uh, beefing up security, offering more money to the Supreme Court for their security. That has been held up in the House. Nancy Pelosi has held it up. It came up again last night, and Nancy Pelosi refused to pass a bill that would give more money for more security to the court. You know, what's your view on security? Do we need more of it? Are they are they well taken care of? Are the justices safe? Well, they have had to really beef up security, obviously, in the face of these very real threats. And what's so shocking is this bill is trying to just ex- make sure that security at least extends to their family. You've got justice in the court who have children living at home still. I mean, it, there, there's, you know, there are judges who have been killed, whose family members have been killed because you get a, a, a criminal or someone who's unhappy with their decision who then decides to take it into their own hands. This is something that should be a no-brainer. And, you know, what's interesting is it, it, Nancy Pelosi knows that if she put that up for a vote, just like it passed unanimously in the Senate, there, there were Democrats willing to say, yes, we need this. And she's 
single-handedly holding it up, if she allowed her members to vote on this, I can't imagine that would have failed even even the democratically controlled House because it's so outrageous to say that our justices and their families shouldn't be fully protected from a real present threat um, in front of their house. Think of it. You know, there are there are countries where judges might feel they have to rule a certain way because they fear for their safety. Those are countries like Cuba, like Venezuela, right, like China, maybe, you know, not not America. That should not be the way that we try to make our arguments Carrie, before judges. You're, you're, you're we, they should be making their decisions based on the rule of law. You're 100 percent right. If that was brought up, um, it would pass in the House. Listen, Carrie, I got to run. We have a hard break. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for your insight. Thanks. It's the morning show that uh, overslept Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, everybody. Sean Duffy here filling in for Jimmy. Welcome to Fox Across America. Um, listen, I'm excited about our next guest because uh, there's been a lot of commentary from Joe Biden about the media. And so our next guest, uh, Joe Concha, media columnist for The Hill and Fox News contributor. Uh, welcome to the show, Joe. Good to be with you. Sean, you do TV, radio, father of nine. I mean, you're hitting for the cycle at this point. You know, I really am, but I got I got to talk to you. I think I was watching the Charlotte Fox and Friends show. I think you were down there, and I don't know what producer hates you at Fox and Friends because I think I saw you doing push-ups <laughs> in Charlotte. I'm like, who hates Like, no 50-year-old guy wants to be doing push-ups on TV, and you were out there cranking up, but I saw you on your knees a little bit, Joe. Oh, you, you see, I you're the only one who caught that. <laughs> I was going against some guy who set some sort of record of doing like 3,000 push-ups in a day. So they're like, you're going to go up against him. So with my left knee, barely touching, but just enough, I, I with the camera angle, I thought I pulled it off. But you're the first to uh, to notice that uh, I completely cheated. I, well, and who wouldn't? Well, as I saw you cranking off the, the, the push-ups, I was like, wow, Joe Concha. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing as many push-ups as this champion push-up guy. Yeah. But lo and behold, I'm like, what's going on? Oh, the, the, the knee's down. And I thought it was two knees, but if you had one, you know, that's that's fine. But Good eye, was, my friend. I, w- I was impressed, but I thought, who hates Joe at Fox & Friends making him do push-ups on camera at our age? His name is A.J. Hall, AJ all right? A.J. Hall. That's we all right. know A.J. Sell A.J. out. I love it. <laughs> so, Joe, I, I want to get your take on this because Joe Biden was on Jimmy Kimmel last night. First time in 118 days he did a network interview. Hard-hitting, by the way. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, really tough interview. Ugh. It's not like he's, you know, fully lived out. Let's let's play cut 18. I want you to react. All right. Look how the press is. Changed. It has changed. Oh, listen, it, I, it, I get it. it. I know you get you overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it. You overstand it. <laughs> I mean, but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on on the, on nightly news. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking a question, anyway, it just everything gets gets sensationalized in ways. That, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. Joe, it sounds like Joe Biden is saying the media is not fair to him. And it seems like from my vantage point, the media has covered from him since he started running for office out of his basement. 
Is his criticism of the media fair? The, the, the problem with this argument, Sean, is that it's not like things are going really well and this president's getting a raw deal. That was the last guy in Trump, right, where you had record employment, right, and record low unemployment, particularly among minorities. And we saw GDP growth seen like we haven't seen in years. And Kim Jong-un was kept under control and Overall, we weren't in any wars, right, uh, overseas, and gas prices were below $2, and, and crime, in, up until COVID anyway, was under control, and the border was under control, and yet we were told this was the worst president we've ever had. With this guy currently in office, the 46th president, you have inflation at a 40-year high, gas prices at an all-time high, you have skyrocketing crime officers being targeted like never before we have a real education problem in this country where the democratic party is taking the side of teachers unions over parents and oh by the way parents like you and me very concerned about the safety of our children in schools i could go on and on the border obviously right is anything but secure millions of people coming in illegally along with record number of fentanyl killing a record number of americans so it's not like oh well if the press coverage was better and our messaging was better Therefore, we'd be in a much better place in terms of approval. No, the numbers are the numbers, Sean. And forget Republican, Democrat. If you just look at this presidency objectively, it is, I think, the worst presidency of the modern era. And I'm including Jimmy Carter in this conversation, Sean. Well, and the polls would indicate that. I mean, he's just falling below 40 percent in the polling. He's like at thirty nine point four in the real clear politics polling. Yeah. But if and remember, if, it, if I could cut you off, yeah, there. Uh, cut remember off. what that means. And you know this very well as a congressman, you know, looking at some numbers, I'm sure through, throughout your career. How am I doing? What my constituents think? Because yours was on a local level right, in, in Wisconsin, basically on a state level. Well, in this case with Biden, when you hear thirty nine percent, people probably think, well, that still seems kind of high. Right. But when you strip out New York and Illinois and California and you get to those swing states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, your state of Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, New Hampshire, then those numbers really begin to tank. Like we're talking low 30s, even 20s. He's at 18 percent in West Virginia, for example, where Joe Manchin is nearly at 60. So, yeah, 39 percent approval nationally. You got to look at the state numbers where it's much, much worse. But anyway, go ahead. Make your what point. I was going to say, that, Phil, listen, I, you could just cut me off. I'm just I'm just filling in for Jimmy. I'm just a fill in host here. So cut me <laughs> off, Joe. You're doing a good job. So here's the deal. I, when, when I was in Congress, a lot of people said, I hate Congress. Congress had like an approval rating of 15 percent. But my approval rating was above 50 percent. Right. I was 55 percent, 57 percent because they liked me, even though they might have hated Congress. So the Joe Biden, the voters are saying. Listen, I not, I not only do I not like Congress, I don't like the administration, but I don't like you personally, Joe. And those are those are cataclysmic, dangerous numbers. And when he talks about clickbait, if if the media actually wanted clickbait, clickbait, I know I I don't know how much coverage was given to to the uh, gunman outside of Kavanaugh's home yesterday, but when I watched other networks, I didn't see any coverage. Or what also what also might be clickbait is if if someone said, you know what, we're going to cover the story about Russia collusion being concocted by the Clinton campaign that we in the media were duped for four years, covered it wall to wall, and it was all a lie, and we're going to talk about it. People would click on those two stories, but the media doesn't cover that at all. So this is not about clickbait. This is really about covering for an administration whose politics they actually agree with. 
Oh, man. You made so much sense there. Too much sense. You're making wow. too much sense, Sean. Uh, look, you asked, uh, well, or you, you noted that you didn't see a lot of coverage of the attempted murder of a Supreme Court justice, right? You look at the New York Times today. I think they call it the paper of record. And that story isn't on A1. It isn't on A10. It's on A20. That gets buried all the way back there. And then the president of the United States, who encouraged protest in front of the homes of Supreme Court members, well, he doesn't bring it up once during a 24-minute I'm not going to call it an interview, conversation with Jimmy Kimmel, nor does Kimmel, of course. But they did talk about the Supreme Court in terms of Roe versus Wade going away and what a threat that is to democracy. Democracy is in peril all over the place, right? It is because voting rights wasn't passed and because Build Back Better wasn't passed. And now we're going to hear it with the January 6th hearings tonight that democracy also in peril as a result of that riot, which was one of hundreds that happened in 2020, 2021. But, But, Joe... It's interesting because Joe, Joe Biden didn't make a statement. He didn't make a verbal statement last night about the Supreme Court. And by the way, he was talking, Joe Biden was talking to Kimmel about guns, but didn't mention the, the shooter outside of Judge Kavanaugh's home. Amazing. They didn't actually put out an official statement on White House stationery. They just did like, here's a quote that you could use from Joe Biden. They didn't even put a statement out condemning the act. It was like a quote. So it was the lowest form of, of commentary they could give on, on, on a Supreme Court justice's life being endangered. And you're telling me that if that was Justice Sotomayor yeah. or Kagan or Katanji Brown, that, uh, uh, Jackson, excuse me, that that wouldn't uh, oh, get front page coverage? It should. It doesn't matter whether you're conservative or liberal. It's a Supreme Court justice. And if he gets taken out, I'm pretty sure he probably knows better than I do, then Joe Biden has every right to replace him with whoever, whomever he chooses if that person gets confirmed, right? That's right. And they, they may be able to impact the decisions of the court. You're, you're absolutely right. And by the way, if uh, a conservative had done that to a liberal justice, it would be racism. It would be white yeah. supremacy. It would be uh, conservative extremism. All the language they would use to try to demonize Republicans. And by the way, you and I, if that happened to a liberal judge, would stand here together and say, we condemn this. This is wrong. Violence has no place in politics. And if it's left or right, we condemn it. But Democrats condemn conservative violence, and they should, but rarely will condemn liberal violence. And it's I think it actually feeds the flame of the anger and the acceptability of violence on the left. And Sean, we saw that movie during the summer of 2020, right, where it was like, well, we should protest and we should riot because the cause is bigger than the virus. I remember that one. And and that's when COVID lost me. Like, wait a minute, I'm being told that I have to do all these things. But if I go out and march with Black Lives Matter, then that's okay. I could risk my life, so to speak, uh, because the cause is bigger than the virus. That that drove me nuts. But last night with, with, with the president and you got to see this video because it's it's it tells you everything right about this presidency and just the 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 moral preening that goes on the president is introduced right by jimmy kimmel and then you know the 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 curtain opens and there you see biden waiting to take his mask off for that precise moment just to show everybody that he's wearing a mask and then five seconds later he's shaking hands with kimmel which probably not a good idea if you're so covid conscious and then you sit next to him for 25 minutes uh, i'm pretty sure it was less than six feet away because of science right sean so that that's what drove me nuts when he said that 
our country's economy is stronger than any other country in, uh, that are developed nations? Did he look at the GDP last, last quarter? Because I'm pretty sure it went in the negative direction. And if it happens again, we're in a reception. We're in a recession. I could go on and on. And of course, look, Kimmel's an activist. I completely get it. But Kimmel talked about Fox News and Trump more than he talked about or at least remotely challenged Biden on anything. Biden had to bring up inflation last night, not Kimmel. So I'm not counting this as an interview. I, I keep seeing the Chirons on Fox today, and it's technically accurate. I'm not complaining about the network that this is his first TV interview in 118 days. I'm sorry. Going uh, on a partisan late-night host show, that's not an interview, all right? That's PR. When he sits down with Brett Baer or Bill Hemmer or Dana Perino, then I'll count it. But until then, no. This no was, dice, this was, this was pluff, uh, uh, fluffy um, puffery, right? This was this was just a really easy interview, and and by the way, not very not very hard hitting. And when Joe Biden comes out and is talking about the economy being so great, I think most Americans, Joe, uh, are angry when they hear that because they know the economy is failing them and their family. And uh, again, I don't think this helps them improve in the polls. No. It's only going to make it worse. And by the way, if you don't recognize that you have a problem, you can't fix the problem if you can't recognize that it, it, that it exists. I can tell you what I just got a text from Rachel. Yeah, and she said, you know what? I thought Joe looked great. And I'm like, you know what? Joe did look great doing those push-ups. You should come back and do push-ups every weekend for Fox and Friends. Strong, buff, looking great. And you can cheat a little bit. Just get the right camera angle. Yeah. Put the knee down and be like, Joe's crushing it. I'm going one step further. I'm going to do push-ups with Rachel sitting on my back. <laughs> all right? Oh, yeah. All right. All right. I, I got I to I cut it off there. <laughs> Joe Concha, thanks for joining me. So nice. Thanks for uh, having me there, Sean. And you've met my wife. Well, we'll double date sometime. It's all good people out there. No conspiracy. Deal. All right. Fox all Across right, America coming back shortly. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America. I'm Sean Duffy filling in for Jimmy Fela, but at my house called Jimmy Winner. I'm playing a little air guitar here and sitting with Jason Chaffetz in the Fela studio. Good to see you, Jason. Welcome to the Fela show. Uh, fill in by Sean Duffy. You know, the fill in <laughs> for, for Jimmy is a great one because you don't even have to button up your shirt. <laughs> That's right. You wear jeans. Uh, right. No tie required. In fact, you'd look odd in a tie yeah, in this yeah, uh, yeah. in this particular uh, room. Well, I feel out of place. Of course, well, I got Star Wars, you know, memorabilia here on the table, G.I. Joe, Transformers, the nineteen eighty. They all have Master stories. They, yep. They must. But we're not going to talk about Jimmy's paraphernalia. <laughs> Star Wars gear. You're the former uh, chairman of uh, the Oversight Committee. You and I served in Congress together. Tonight's a show trial. Democrats on January 6th want to have a, a big conversation about what happened on January 6th. What's your take? Uh, it is a circus. It is a show trial, as you as you call it. Um, and it's unfortunate. I think there should have been a very thorough uh, investigation. I'm all about, hey, let's do the investigation but the th- the way Nancy Pelosi has set this up, it- it's just not fair to not allow the minority to have rights to appoint people to who could be on this committee. You could Jim Jordan asking questions, and 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 Congressman Banks asking questions, for instance, is going to make it far more interesting, but more insightful and illuminating because there are different sides to this story. That will never get told. And so this is – I'm terribly disappointed in our far, former colleagues 
uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. I think they should have walked away from the table, despite their 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 vehement disagreement with Donald Trump. They should have walked away from the table when they did not support minority rights and allowing the minority to appoint members to to ask questions on that committee. Well, this is the first Congress that's ever taken away minority rights. They've uh, Democrats. Nancy Pelosi took off Marjorie Taylor Greene from a committee, and, and you and I both know this. But to explain to the listeners, the every party has the right to put their members on yeah. committees. So Kevin McCarthy and Republicans put members on committees. And Democrats, with Nancy Pelosi, put Democrats on committees. Nancy Pelosi decided that she was going to actually take Republicans off certain committees and that she decided that she was not going to let Kevin McCarthy pick members to serve on this committee. And here's what troubles me. I, I served on, uh, if you recall this, remember the, uh, the, the abortion issue with the sale of baby body parts. We did a, right. we did a, um, uh, a panel on this. Yeah, Marsha Blackburn. Marsha, and- Marsha ran it. And Democrats did not agree with our uh, with our hearings on the sale of baby body parts, they tried to thwart us every way, but we still let them participate. So Nancy Pelosi says, "Well, Republicans are going to thwart the investigation." No, they're going to pull out different information. You may not like it, Nancy, but we want to talk about what happened to law enforcement. We want to talk about what you did, Nancy, by not calling up the National Guard. We want to see all the video. We want all the evidence to come out. Yeah, not this made-for-show with a television producer coming in to orchestrate the whole thing. We're going to put it in this tight 90-minute process. I mean, come on. Nancy Pelosi it should be answering questions. She was the head of the law enforcement. We're not going to hear from the Capitol Hill police. We're not going to hear about the decision as you as you cite. And you know what else we're not going to hear? I don't see him doing primetime hearings on on inflation. I don't see a primetime hearing on immigration. I don't see a primetime investigation on what went wrong in Afghanistan. I mean, take the list of what people really care about in the heartland. This is Fox Across America. If you really want to talk about the issues that America is concerned about, why don't you do a primetime hearing on that? But you'll never well, see that. Don't even do a primetime hearing. Do any hearing on yeah, gas prices. Any do hearing. any hearing on any of these issues that America cares about. I think this is bad for Democrats. I know they want this primetime slot. I, I think that most Americans will watch this and go, if you're fighting over Donald Trump, you're fighting over January 6th, you're not fighting for the issues that affect my family, and I think it's going to be a big fail. Yeah, I I I don't know that there's going to be any new revelation. There's no new witness that's suddenly going to be compelling. Um, and again, I'm one that's in favor of doing an investigation. But I I think this is an overreach, and I think America will recognize it. Quick question for you. you you got to set hearings as a former chairman. How many hearings did you start at 8 o'clock at night? Uh, uh, zero. Zero. Because <laughs> yeah. members of Congress, we they start at 10 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Members want to go raise money. They want to have dinner. They want to prep for the next day. They don't want to do hearings at 8 o'clock unless it's a primetime show trial. Yeah. It's just it, – it's – to not allow the minority, I just can't get back that. I just can't get past that. That Democrats have to look in the mirror and say, "We denied the minority rights." I mean, that's what they stand for these days. It's crazy. What, I, what troubles me too is uh, you, you're you're devolving the institution. the the um, The way the Congress works, you're saying, you know what, we're going to break with precedent from the founding and change it. And now Kevin McCarthy is going to be forced to take Democrats off committees as well. He's, he's going to reciprocate when he's the Speaker of the House. Yeah. You know, it, it, under Nancy Pelosi, members still – can you believe this, Sean? Members don't even have to show up. They still have proxy voting at this point. You could just dial it in. There are members, I've been told, that have never shown up for a vote in person. You can in sit this in Congress. your underwear in your – 
bedroom and vote <laughs> in Congress. Listen, that, that is absolutely shameful, and I don't think many people know this. There's, there's still metal detectors outside the House yeah. floor because Democrats are afraid of Republicans. That Jason, Lauren Boebert might bring right, a gun right, in. Like, like, come this, on. This is so stupid. Jason Chaffetz, thanks for joining me. Good to see you. You are so sexy, so good looking in a suit. <laughs> Fox Across America coming me. back shortly. <laughs> Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey everybody, welcome to Fox Across America. Sean Duffy in for Jimmy Fallon. So, uh, AAA has gas prices at $4.97 a gallon. Gas Buddy actually has gas prices nationwide over $5 a gallon. This is crushing the American family as uh, men and women try to go to work. As we try to take a little vacation with our families, we're not going to fly, but you get in the car, you get in the SUV, you get in the van, the family truckster, and and try to uh, go see uh, family, relatives, go to a campground, go see a national park. Uh, Gas prices are making those trips almost unaffordable. And this is actually, I think, a plan by Democrats. And I think they're actually missing the boat in the plan. But if they can raise the price of gasoline in America... This is going to help transition America from oil and gas to green energy, wind and solar. It's going to help us go to electric cars, right? That's, that's the plan they have. And by the way, I, I, I know that because I've heard them say that in Congress. I used to serve on the Financial Service Committee, had the great privilege of serving with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who would make these comments. They want to see gas prices rise. And as... The price of fuel increases. That's true. People will start to make a transition. But there's a, a, a price where oil and gas gets to be too expensive and Americans just become angry. If you can't afford to put $5 in your car, you can't afford to buy a Tesla. It just doesn't work. The economics of that transition don't work. And the flip side of that, too, is that when you look at the, the, the minerals that are needed— to build windmills and solar panels and batteries. The government doesn't allow us to mine those here in America, so we have to have them mined somewhere else in the world and import them into the U.S. So it makes America reliant on the rest of the world for our energy. Where with oil and gas, we have enough oil and gas in America to fund all of our uh, energy needs but also have the ability to even export oil. And it's great because it's American jobs, uh, it's revenue to the federal coffers, and it drives down the price of oil and gas because we're increasing the supply. But Joe Biden won't join in that effort to say, hey, you know what, Uh, oil and gas companies, what do you need? Uh, How do we get you to drill more on federal land? Do we have to streamline the permitting process? Do we need to build more pipelines? Do we need more refineries? Do we need long-term stability in regard to rules and regulations because of the investments you make are billions of dollars and they don't pay out for 10 years? So we're not going to change them for two years on you. We're going to actually give you certainty for 10, 20 years in regard to these rules and regulations. If that happened, you would see oil and gas companies actually reinvest. But you see Joe Biden actually not doing any of the things that Americans uh, or oil and gas companies need to actually invest more to produce more and make us more reliant. It's it's one of the most frustrating things because it has a huge impact 
on our uh, on our bottom line. For me, I, I drive, and I have a lot of kids. I have, I have nine kids. So I have a Suburban, and I have a Ford F-150. Both of them get about 14 miles to the gallon, and I'm losing my mind with my wife saying, listen, we got to find a different, smaller car that gets better mileage because, I mean, to fill up the Suburban, it's $135, $140, and that's like from a quarter tank. My F-150 has a huge tank, and I, I, had, a, I had a half a tank, and it cost me 100 bucks just to top it off. This is insanity. And I, Bill, Bill Cassidy was on Cavuto uh, talking about this. Completely gets it. Let's go to cut four. So instead of helping U.S. producers produce more North American oil and gas, creating better jobs for Americans, more money in your pocket to pay those higher prices, we're going to help out the Chinese economy. This is not a plan. This is an illusion of a plan. What we need is something which addresses head-on the fact that we need greater supply of oil and gas, not just for us, but for folks overseas, with the better jobs that come with it. Um, and that will begin to ease the pressure upon inflation, not some kind of Band-Aid that you might call reducing a tariff to help the Chinese economy. You know, Bill Cassidy lays it out well, because this problem is not complicated. Yes, you didn't anticipate Russia invading Ukraine. And now we have um, we have restrictions on uh, Russian oil and gas. That, I, I'm not going to blame Joe Biden for that, but gas prices were rising before Russia invaded Ukraine because Joe Biden initially was like, "Listen, I'm gonna, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to cancel the Keystone Pipeline. I'm going to take away leases on federal lands. I'm going to attack uh, American uh, oil and gas uh, because that's what the far left extremists want me to have happen here." But if Joe Biden actually wanted to get the job done, if he wanted to actually produce more oil, he could do it tomorrow. It's an easy solution that he's just not willing to take. Uh, again, hopefully uh, the midterm elections will knock some sense into the Democrat Party. They'll rethink their energy policy and say, you know what, it makes sense to produce in America with American jobs, American revenue, American oil and gas. Let's not go to Venezuela. Let's not go to the Middle East. Let's go right here. Let's go to Texas. Let's go to North Dakota. Let's go to Pennsylvania, New York. Let's go to America to produce this energy uh, and to refine it here and make sure that we are self-sufficient, not reliant on anybody else in the world. That's my take. Uh, we got a caller. We got Stephen in uh, uh, Durham, North Carolina. Stephen, you're on the line. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. Good to talk to you. What's going on? What's on your mind? I was thinking about Matthew McConaughey. That was a great speech he gave. I'm a lifelong Republican, but depending on what his attitude is on, like, for instance, gas and the border, I would definitely vote for him, especially if he had Tulsi Gabbard as his running mate. I know he had thrown his hat in the ring for Texas to run for governor, but then pulled out. But, you know, because Biden is not going to run again, and Kamala Harris is not going to run, and they don't have Gretchen Whitman, and I think Nancy Pelosi is about to drop dead, hopefully. So, first of all, Stephen, I'm not voting for any Democrats, uh, and not Matthew McConaughey if he was to run as a Democrat. But what did you like about his speech? What did you think was so great? Very much from the heart. And the only thing I've heard people say bad about it is the fact that he's an actor. But excuse me, but isn't our greatest president in our lifetime in the last few years, uh, Ronald Reagan? Yes, Reagan was an actor, and he was he was great on stage. He was my concern about it. So, again, when you talk about uh, God and faith and morality being taken out of culture, when you talk about the depression, the loneliness, the fatherlessness, the issues that are affecting kids today, the, the amount of time they spend on their screens, the detachment that they have from real relationships, 
and uh, Matthew McConaughey spoke about that a little bit. I, I agreed with that. But when you start going to gun control, and you can give me pushback, Stephen, all you want, because when you talk about gun control, what's being discussed I don't think is going to stop any future shootings. I just, I really don't. My heart breaks for, what, for the kids in Uvalde, for all the kids that have lost their lives. It's, I mean, as any parent, we are outraged, and we want to make sure it stops. You send your kids to school, they should be safe. But when these, when these, uh, the, the 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 bill that passed the House last night, they're gonna they're gonna ban kids uh, uh, until 21 years old from buying a semi-automatic weapon and clips that hold you know more than 15 rounds. Okay, when that doesn't work and we have another shooting, they're gonna come back for more. Because I've heard the Democrats, this is this is a slippery slope down to making sure that the Second Amendment is eradicated, that you will not have a gun. Um, and you'll have to just rely on the government for your safety and your security, and will never be able to push back on your own because they're going to outlaw guns. That's what they want. Let them say, you know, China has got no guns. Australia has got no guns. Those are pretty much authoritarian uh, regimes. You can't protest against them. China, they just said you've got to deal with what you've got to deal with because you ain't got no guns. Cuba was the same way. In the Cuban protests that happened last summer, um, when you don't have weapons, I mean, you're, you're, you're completely rolled by your government. And I'm a, I don't see us going there, but that is always a consideration when you have a balance of government and a free people. And, that's, and, that, and that is my concern, Stephen, that, and I've heard the Democrats, this is not about one step. This, they're not one and done. They're not going to say, let's do this, and then there's not going to be any more gun control coming from the left. This is just one step of many that's going to take guns away from law-abiding lawful, free people. And that's what concerns me, Stephen. But listen, thank you for your comment. I thought, I agree with you. I thought that uh, Matthew McConaughey did well, but on his gun control, I completely disagree. We'll be back shortly with Fox Across America. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America. I'm Sean Duffy in for Jimmy Fela. Sailing the ship for three hours with Jimmy. Uh, let's bring in guest uh, Congressman Ken Buck, a Republican from Colorado who represents the 4th District. He also serves on the House Judiciary Committee. One of the smartest, one of the most conservative, outspoken members of the House. Ken, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Sean, I owe you a lot of money for saying that. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, you can pay me later. I got 20 bucks in the mail. Uh, I want to talk to you about guns. Y- yesterday on the House floor, uh, uh, mostly Democrats passed gun control legislation uh, that would increase the age for uh, use, uh, purchase of a semi-automatic, uh, semi-automatic weapon to 21 years old. Uh, clip sizes over uh, 21 rounds uh, would be illegal. What's your take on the legislation, and will this do anything to protect children in America? So, so, Sean, we know one thing about Democrats. Uh, they never let a crisis go to waste. That's they true. have uh, consistently, after terrible, horrible gun uh, uh, you know, killings, uh, mass murders, they have uh, passed legislation. They passed background checks. The shooters in, in uh, Buffalo and, and Texas uh, passed background checks. That didn't work. They passed uh, gun-free school zones, a shooter in Texas. Uh, that didn't work. Um, so they, they passed legislation that has very little impact on what they're trying to accomplish, um, and we will continue to see them uh, every crisis they get 
pass legislation that will not uh, help the overall situation. The uh, banning a weapon for an 18 to 21 year old, I believe is unconstitutional. The Ninth Circuit has said it's unconstitutional. The Supreme Court will address that issue. Um, uh, we know one thing, we know that, that guns, uh, that rifles uh, account for about four to 5% of the overall gun deaths in America um, handguns, uh, about 90%. Again, the Democrats trying to uh, enact their agenda, focus on rifles. Uh, it's, it's the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it'll have very little impact. You know, Ken, I, I look at this, and you, know, I, you and I served together uh, for a number of uh, different terms. And when I listen to Democrats, this is not about finding a simple or not so simple solution for gun control where they are one and done. They are not about saying, I've got one solution, let's vote for this, and we are going to be done on gun control. The rest of, the rest of what we don't pass, we're going to preserve that portion of the Second Amendment for law-abiding American citizens. What I see is Democrats just doing a step-by-step approach, a nibble, nibble, nibble at the Second Amendment cookie until none of the cookies left. They want to take away all of your gun rights, and this is just one step towards that end. I agree with you completely, uh, uh, Sean. This this is a uh, a long term plan for the Democrats. They uh, have they have targeted the uh, Second Amendment for a long time. The Supreme Court in Heller uh, really put an end to one of their strategies, and and now they're just going to keep uh, uh, really um, taking their their opportunities. Um, if uh, Republicans thought that it would have a, a chance to to counter some of the uh, the crisis in Chicago, the crisis in other major cities where failed Democrat policies are leading to this e- extreme violence. Uh, it would be one thing, but but it, it won't. And when we get back to some fundamental changes, we we have the ability, uh, for example, to uh, harden schools. We have the ability to encourage veterans to uh, go into teaching and, and uh, have those veterans trained. Um, they're, they're certainly trained with guns at this point, but trained um, in uh, sort of police tactics in schools. Um, we, we have a lot of good strategies that Republicans have offered. Uh, they've been shot down and we will offer again. I can remember in the Judiciary Committee uh, uh, markup on this particular bill the Democrats kept saying, why do you Republicans are always saying that, you know, more uh, more guns, uh, more guns in the hands of good guys will stop bad guys from using guns? Well, the truth is that um, every year in America, more than 100,000 crimes are prevented as a result of good guys having guns. And uh, we just need to make sure that we are protecting those who are the most vulnerable. You know, that's true. And you talk about hardening our schools, making sure that our schools are safe, that all the doors are locked, that there's a, you know, double point of entry. It's only one entry point for a school. Uh, Making sure you have someone who's armed that's there. People don't attack the Capitol with guns because there's police officers there with with uh, with big guns to protect the Capitol. But they oftentimes go toward soft targets. Joe Biden had a hard hitting interview last night. I'm sure you weren't watching because you were watching. Uh, Greg Gutfeld show like I was if you're watching any TV, but he did do an interview with Jimmy Kimmel. Let's go to cut 13 talking about guns. We're halfway through this year already. There have been, what, 27 shootings at schools? 
I guess, I mean, just to get into it, why haven't we done anything about this? Well, I think uh, a lot of it's intimidation uh, by the NRA. And uh, look, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a, a MAGA party. It's a very different, a, a very different Republican Party. And uh, and so you find people who uh, are worried, I believe, that if they vote for rational gun policy, they're going to be primaried and they're going to they're going to lose in a hard right Republican primary. Ken, I don't know about you. I, I was never afraid of the NRA when I was in Congress, but I represent people like you do in Colorado and northern Wisconsin that said, you know what? I want you to help preserve my right as a lawful citizen to possess a firearm. And by the way, when Joe Biden talks about the Republican Party going so far right, we've been trying to preserve the Second Amendment rights for 50 years. We've been talking about just, you know, lower taxes for 50 years, limited regulation for 50 years. The Republican Party really hasn't moved at all unless you want to say, yes, we wanted to build a border wall and we wanted to make sure we had a fair trade with China. That's the one thing that Republicans have moved on. And it's the Democrat Party that has veered radically to the left. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Nobody goes around talking about, well, what does the NRA think about this or gun owners of America or uh, any of the uh, the gun groups. This is just the right thing to do. Guns aren't the problem. Crazy people are the problem. And we need to make sure that we are dealing with the breakdown of the family. We need to make sure that we're dealing with the uh, the idea that, uh, you know, somehow you're going to become famous if you uh, use a gun and, and uh, engage in some horrific action. Uh, Sean, we, we know where the uh, where the problems are, and we have to have a long-term solution. The short-term solution, as we just mentioned, to try to protect schools and, and other public places, but the long-term solution is to actually reform our welfare system and, and other systems that we have in this country to help Americans. I only, I only have about 45 seconds left, but in the whole conversation last night, again, it was the first interview on a, uh, on a network for Joe Biden in 118 days. There wasn't any conversation about the shooter that went, and it wasn't a shooter. He was he was a, a deranged individual that went outside of Judge Kavanaugh's house with a gun, with a knife, with zip ties. No conversation about that. Joe Biden didn't bring that up in his whole conversation about guns. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I I don't want to criticize the president too much, uh, Sean, but I, I have to tell you, his leadership on this issue has been a failure like his leadership on so many other issues. Uh, he can't explain inflation except for the fact that he has poured trillions of dollars Ken, into our economy. Ken, he can't I, explain I've got, a, I've got a hard break. I've got to, I've got to run. Oh. You are a great American. Colorado loves you. Thanks for joining me on Fox Across America. Thank you, Sean. Good to be with you. We'll be right back. It's America's Life Coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America. Sean Duffy here. I guess I kicked the life coach off the train, and I'm driving this bad boy for another hour and a half. It's great to fill in for Jimmy. Uh, we all know we have a show trial going on tonight. I'm not sure how many people are going to tune in because uh, Tucker Carlson is going to be commenting on it but not covering it live like every other network in America. But I wanted to bring in one of my good friends, another former member of Congress, Devin Nunes, former congressman and chief executive officer of the Trump Media and Technology Company. Better said, he is the CEO of Truth Social, the fastest growing social media company in America right now. Devin Nunes, thanks for joining me on uh, Fox Across America. 
Sean, it's great to be with you. I'm I'm glad you and I are not going to be in the circus tonight <laughs> in Washington, D.C. I think we're both luckier. We just get to pontificate about the craziness. You know, you're right. I always think, you know, I, I there's some things I miss about being in Congress, but this monkey show that's going to happen tonight, this, this made-for-television presentation uh, by Democrats with an ABC former executive who's going to be producing – uh, producing the production for America to consume. Um, I'm glad I'm not part of it. What's your take? What are we going to see tonight? Well, not that I want to relive the the nightmare that's been going on for about five years, but just to just to kind of take people back. You know, this is their latest installment of these productions, and they've all been they've all been abject failures, right? From the Russia hoax to the Mueller hoax to the first impeachment hoax. And you may remember after they failed miserably with Mueller in Russia, they moved on to and and did some performances that unfortunately I had to participate in uh, because I was the top Republican on, on the intelligence committee. And they would, they tried this before with these prime time hearings uh, because they had, you know, visions of, of, of Watergate and, you know, the people would be glued to this. But as time went on each night, Sean, you may remember, um, it got worse and worse for them. And eventually, I think Pelosi pulled the plug and said, no more, you know, no more. And they and they stopped doing it. Um, and, you know, now after those kind of three failed episodes of, of hoaxes, you know, this is this is their latest installment. And I think they decided that they need to bring in some professional help. So they got some some Hollywood production uh, folks to, to come in and. And help them, but I, you know, look, I just don't think uh, this is going to go over well. And I guess I'm not, I'm not shocked by this, but it just continues to, I think, be a problem in this country. The fact that all the fake news companies are going to be airing this live, especially knowing that they've the, the, the previous versions of this miniseries have failed, and now with these, the increasing the supposed production quality, bringing in a Hollywood producer is laughable. And if if Republicans, if we had ever tried something like this, Sean, I mean, we would have been, not only would the fake news not covered it, I'm pretty sure even Fox News wouldn't cover it. And we would be rightfully mocked and attacked for bringing in outsiders to put together a Hollywood show trial. You know, that's that's 100% true. And so I spent 10 years in a courtroom. I was the, the DA of a northern Wisconsin county, probably done over 100 jury trials. And it's important that as you present to a jury that you have credibility. You can't lie to them. And so if you have good parts of your case, you want to tell them about that for sure. But if you even have bad parts or weaknesses of your case, you share that with the jury as well because you build credibility. You're going to be honest with them. You're not going to lie to them. You're going to give them all the facts, and you're going to ask them to come back with uh, – I was a prosecutor, so I'd ask them to come back with a guilty verdict. But here you have your, your former Democrat colleague on the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff who has time and time again lied to the American people, even with regard to the Russia hoax, saying that he has information that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, never produced the information. Now that we've you know, looked at all the evidence that has come out, we know that Donald Trump never colluded with Russia. This was concocted in the mind of Hillary Clinton and her campaign and, and fed to the FBI and the DOJ and the liberal media that created this storm based on a false story. But Adam Schiff has been a liar to the American people. How does he have any credibility 
as part of this panel tonight to say, I know I lied to you in the past, but I'm really telling you the truth in regard to what I want to tell you about January 6th. Well, Sean, it's, it's, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. So, so remember, he was accusing Republicans and Trump, you know, even us, even the Republicans on the Intelligence Committee and the Republican leadership in Congress, Mitch McConnell. I mean, there wasn't a Republican that he didn't, didn't either directly uh, indicate or imply that we were all working on behalf of Vladimir Putin oh, and Russia. That. That's right. He did do that, didn't he? Russian disinformation. Yeah, you were a Russian, Russian agent yourself, right? Right. Yeah, he didn't right. stop. He, he left no stone unturned to right. call everybody a Russian agent, including Russian including Trump and the Trump campaign. But but let us let, let me take you back in time. Do you remember the time that he went and called up who he thought were Russian sources that That's were going right. to give him dirt on Trump? Supposedly it was nude videos of, of Trump and his crazy stuff. But. He foolishly it, – it was a scam. It was like these, these Russian radio guys, pranksters, who got the fool to call in, talk to them. They aired it. They put it out to, for the whole world to see on the internet. I mean, Sean, if, if you or I had done that, where we're accusing people of being Russians and getting in from Russian disinformation, and then you yourself go get Russian information, you get caught, you look stupid, if you or I had done that, Sean – we would have been we would have not only we would have never won re-election. Our constituents would have punished us severely. And the fake news and even the non-fake news like like Fox and, and the other conservative outlets would have rightfully mocked us and made fun of us. We would be so embarrassed we wouldn't be able to show our face uh, anywhere anymore in public. And that and and but instead what's happened is 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 Guys like this, they're not called out on their nonsense, and essentially they, they fail up. I guess the only difference now is that Pelosi and company figured out they can't leave the usual suspects in charge, so they got to bring in some help from their Hollywood buddies to try to see if they can, they can get a better uh, show this time. And I, I had Jason Chaffetz on, our former colleague, earlier, and, and both of us agree. If we want to have a hearing about what happened on January 6th, okay, let's have a hearing. Let's have Democrats put on you know, their members, but also let Republicans put on their members and let's equally investigate what happened. Let's look at all the video. Let's make sure that we uh, have a chance to talk to all the witnesses. Let's actually look at did Donald Trump approve uh, National Guardsmen, 20,000, to come to the Capitol? And did Nancy Pelosi not actually authorize those guardsmen? Or did the mayor of D.C. not authorize those guard, guardsmen? Let's look at all those facts. What really happened to Brian Sicknick, the, the law enforcement officer who sadly passed away, a Capitol Police officer, passed away? We were told initially that he was hit with a fire extinguisher in the head and killed. And then he was sprayed with bear spray and killed. It wasn't uh, until months later that we actually learned that he died at home of natural causes. So there's a lot of factors at play that that both sides could bring out in America would have a better viewpoint, a better picture of what happened on January 6th. But I would, I would argue that Democrats, their, their viewpoint, their argument, their presentation is so weak that they can't let Jim Jordan or Jim Banks sit on the committee to actually question and present contravailing evidence against their narrative because their narrative won't hold if they have someone question it, that's why they couldn't let Republicans participate, which, by the way, is breaking the norms that the House has had since our founding, that both sides get to put their own people 
on every single committee, and we, sh- we, 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 we share power in that way. The majority respects the, the minority's rights to participate in congressional hearings. Yeah, and Sean, what you're saying is is, is, is you would want to provide all the evidence, right? right. This is going back to your courtroom analogy, and that's what Congress should be doing for providing oversight you're you're producing credible evidence of you know no, and you follow the evidence no matter no matter where that leads you, and you know let's talk about that for a second because I think it's the reason why they didn't want any Republicans on this on on this hearing or on this uh, committee, um, and the reason why they wouldn't let you know for unprecedented uh, move as you said uh, for Congress to take this action to where you don't let the minority party pick who they want to be on a committee. Uh, but I think it's even worse than that for them. Uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the officer that, that, that sadly passed away, that that was all, you know, a fake news story about the fire extinguisher and all that stuff. Uh, but but let's talk about other evidence that they're not letting out. You mentioned the National Guard. Well, you and I were also around Washington, D.C. long enough to know the fence. Where was the fencing? The fencing right. would go up all the time for, for lesser protests than, than that. I mean, it, it would constantly be up, especially at a time like this. It should have been up. That's not explainable. You mentioned the, the National Guard that they that they refused to call up after President Trump approved. But look, I think there's a couple other factors out there that are that are not being discussed right now. What one is? There's supposedly 14,000 hours of of tape, That's but right. they won't release to the public, and they won't even show Republicans. There's a report that uh, that I saw John Solomon with just the news. He re- uh, he actually reported this on Sean Hannity's show the other night, uh, where you know clearly the Democrats have hid official Capitol Police documents that don't support their fake fake narrative uh, that somehow Trump and Republicans were were behind all this and and are at fault. Um, and then, you know, we still don't know other than the crazy you know reindeer horn Viking dude. Okay. Um, which, you know, he clearly busted into the Senate floor and was disrupting a procedure. Um, But, you know, he's not a good character for them because he's not the guy's not a Republican. Right. He's just obviously someone who has some some issues. But outside of that, where are the people that that I think that you and I would expect the people that had the hammers, the people that broke the windows? Where, Where are they? Who are they? How come we don't know who they are? Or how about the people who put the pipe bombs outside of the the DCCC? Where, where, how can the FBI not know who those people are? There's cameras everywhere in D.C., but they can't find yeah, those people. And then, yeah, and, and then you also have the, these, these provocateurs that were posing as MAGA Republicans um, who they got on videotape, who obviously the, the, the Republicans and the, the, the supporters that were out there even the night before were calling the guy a Fed. Right. Um, he's clearly on, on video waving people through, egging them on. Uh, the guy's like sitting in Arizona and, and hasn't been charged and hasn't been interviewed. Like, but, 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 I think the guy's name is Epps. Like, what the hell is that about? Is this another? I mean, look, it just has all the hallmarks of the same crap that happened in the Russia hoax where you had DOJ, FBI running informants into the Trump campaign and spying on the Trump campaign. Uh, it has all the hallmarks of that. None of that can be explained. But Debbie, and there's so many questions out there that clearly Pelosi does not want the answers she for. She doesn't want and, exposed. And, yeah. but here's, and that's here's, why they're doing that. Here's what I think. So here, this, this is about the insurrection. 
the insurrection on January 6th. They want to stop the proceedings to make Joe Biden and Kamala Harris the president. Okay, like that, that's that's the theory and theme behind January 6th, which, by the way, you look at the video, most people, again, I, I, you commit a crime, I want you prosecutor. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I love the institution itself. I was offended when people busted in. I was. Um, and if you broke the law, you should be held accountable. But I look at insurrection, trying to undo an election, and Democrats, Hillary Clinton and her campaign, in partnership with the FBI, the DOJ, and the media, spent four years trying to undermine and remove Donald Trump from office. Uh, they, they impeached him twice. Their effort to undermine the will of the American people was far more sophisticated, far more far more planning with different tools of government at play and the media at play to cover the story every single day. The insurrection happened with Russia collusion more so than January 6th. And on top of that, Devin, I look at what happened yesterday with Kavanaugh. This is... This is one of our branches of government that someone went to that house of Kavanaugh with a gun, with uh, with zip ties and duct tape and a knife to kill Justice Kavanaugh. What kind of an insurrection is that against a, a co-equal branch of government? Yeah, what started, Sean, in 2015 and 16 with with the Clinton campaign, the DNC of the Obama Biden administration. I see this all as one part of a, of a very dark chapter in American history, and this is just, a, you know, this is still the same chapter that we're in. They normalized corruption like this at the FBI, the DOJ. The media went along with it. And, and here you are, you know, five years later, and because nobody's doing anything about it, and now we have put the Supreme Court of the United States in real jeopardy here. Um, and there's just the decay of these institutions. And I, and you know, look, I can speak for myself, but I'm sure you would agree. You know, just in our time in Washington, it just became worse and worse and worse. And toward every norm uh, has been violated uh, for a, for a democratic republic to survive. And I, you know, I have real concerns about the future uh, of of our institutions and our country uh, because what it, what of what is occurring. And it, it's like they don't. They don't stop. They just double down. And what you're going to see tonight is just just more of the same. More of the same. And you're right. The norms are devolving. Um, Hey, Devin, I got I got to run. But uh, you're the new CEO of Truth Social. It is a family friendly platform, Um, the fastest growing platform. How's the transition been? I got 30 seconds from Congress to a CEO of the fastest growing platform in America. Yeah, well, today, today, Sean, is a, is a big day. Actually, this is the first interview I've, I've done since we released. Uh, we have a major update today. Um, so now you can do quote truths, uh, which, is a, which is a feature that our users wanted. And, uh, you know, we're available in the Apple App Store, or you can go to truthsocial.com and, and sign up. And it's, it's really cool. I think you'll like it if you check it out. I know you're on the platform. Uh, you're you're gonna. It's it's really cool. It's uh, something our users wanted, and and, and it's uh, it makes it a lot more user friendly. I am I, I am on the platform, and I love the fact that we have free speech, free political speech on the platform, and it's family friendly. Devin Nunes, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for being such a great American and fighting so hard for truth when you were a member of Congress. It was an honor to serve with you. My my pleasure, Sean. Thanks thanks for having me. All right, we'll be right back shortly with Fox Across America. Taking the edge off, one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America.
little jazz coming in. Sean Duffy here in for Jimmy Fiala. We're going to go to the phone lines. We're going to go to John from Butte, Montana, who wants to join the conversation. John, what's on your mind? Buddy, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thank you for asking yourself. Oh, just kind of burning up a little bit. It's a little bit warm where I'm sitting today. <laughs> what's on your mind? <laughs> You know, I've said, like I've, I've said this a million times over, Congress can pass all the legislation in the world that they want, but unless they're willing to follow and enforce the rules and regulation and laws that they already have on the books, passing new ones is not going to do a damn bit of good for anybody. You know, John, to that point, uh, there's new uh, pictures that have come out with Hunter Biden, who is, you know, high on whatever drug he was doing with his pistol, his gun. Those laws aren't enforced. He got that gun illegally. No one enforces that law against Hunter Biden, but they want to take the gun rights away of law-abiding citizens. And I, I have to imagine in Montana, they're not happy. Oh, I look at it this way. I, I own guns. I own several. And I'm not giving them up. John, I, I think Montana's a lot like Wisconsin. We want to keep our guns. I'm a gun owner myself. Thanks for your commentary. Couldn't agree with you more. We'll be back in a little bit with Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, everybody, Sean Duffy filling in here for Jimmy Fela. I am surfing the Fela wave, but in my house, as I say, it's not Jimmy Fela, it's Jimmy Winna, because he's a winner in our house. Um, I want to move over to abortion. I want to bring in my next guest, who is uh, probably the hottest mother of nine, or non-mother of nine, smartest person uh, you could ever be married to, uh, my, my co-host for our podcast, From the Kitchen Table, but also my co-host in life, Rachel Campos Duffy, my lovely wife. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Sean. I've been listening. Great job. I don't know if our if the listeners know this is your first time this, doing radio. I can't believe it. You sound awesome. I listen, Good I, job. Thank you so much. You like you're like my you know my 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 mother sometimes, right? <laughs> thank you. Oh, listen, I want to talk to you about um, about the abortion issue because we all know that last night. Um, or no, yeah, a day and a half ago, we had some deranged kid from California who went to Judge Kavanaugh's house. He had a gun, he had a knife, uh, zip ties, uh, tape. So scary. So scary. And he said, listen, I want to go there and I want to kill Judge Kavanaugh. In essence, he was hoping that he could change the court's leaked opinion, which was not a decision. It was not a decision from the court. It was a, a draft opinion that would have overturned Roe v. Wade. But you're someone who's been... Uh, in the life movement, obviously, Mom and I were both pro-life. But what would this decision from the court overturning Roe v. Roe v. Wade mean for the life movement? So a couple things I want to say before I answer your question. It's a very good question, actually. Um, first of all, Valentina is on my lap right now, and I couldn't <laughs> find my earbuds because sometimes when I do radio, you know this, Sean. If you're not here to watch her, I put on my earbuds so I can escape to a room in case she's screaming. And so I'm stuck um, because my phone is not charged and it's plugged in and she's on my lap. So if you hear anything, um, it, it's, that's what it is. It's, it's her two and a half year old little uh, little girl, Valentina. So great. Good good to know. We're, we're, just, okay, we're doing this very raw. <laughs> yeah, it's very raw. 
Um, to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about what you described happened yesterday at Judge Kavanaugh's house. I'm concerned that we haven't seen a decision come out yet. I thought I was under the impression that we would get it sooner, which makes me a little bit nervous. I mean, I was pretty hopeful when that leak came out. As mad as I was about it, I was pretty hopeful. Okay, this looks really good for, you know, those of us who have been in the trenches, you know, for so long fighting for this. And um, we haven't heard anything. And I'm also concerned that I haven't heard a, you know, who the leaker is. Why don't we know that by now? You've been spending a lot of time talking about the FBI and the DOJ, you know, going after Trump, going after January 6th. Well, where the hell are they on this? I haven't heard anything about who that leaker is, and I can't believe we don't know who that is. Um, but back to your original question, what does this mean for the pro-life movement? It's fascinating because, you know, for so long, what they've been fighting for is you know, to overturn Roe v. Wade. And so here it happens. It's going to go back to the states. Um, as you predicted, about 20-some states will, will vote to abolish abortion. And, and the others will, will not only, will probably reinforce their own state constitutions to enshrine abortion rights um, so that nothing else could ever happen there. For the pro-life movement, that means they're going to have to up their game even more because if abortion is abolished in those states, we're going to see more women having babies um, who, you know, you can abolish abortion, but you can't abolish, you know, unplanned pregnancies, right? Um, they're going to, they happen. And now if less of them are terminated, the pro-life movement is going to really have to step up their game and do even more than they already are doing. And they are the only ones doing this kind of work, um, you know, helping women in time of need, um, helping them find housing and so forth. I just got back, um, Sean, as you know, from a, a, a speech that I gave in Philadelphia. Um, I'm sorry, in, in, uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia. But it was with counselors who um, work for the state of Pennsylvania. And there is a, a program that was put in place by then Democrat Governor uh, Bob Casey. Um, and it is a government-funded program to help women who are dealing with an unwanted pregnancy. And it's, a, it's an amazing program. So I think a lot of states are gonna go, what can our state do um, with government welfare money to specifically direct it towards women who are having you know, problems and, and, need, and need help with an unwanted pregnancy? And I think all in all, the, what we're seeing in the movement is I think that the pro-life movement is the pro-woman movement. Um, it's the pro-choice movement says, you know, doesn't even acknowledge womenism. And they don't even call breastfeeding, Sean, breastfeeding. They call it chest feeding. Um, so I think there's a, a huge opportunity for the pro-life movement to really become the women's movement, the real pro-feminist movement that actually fights for women's rights, not just when it comes, not just when it comes to supporting women in an unwanted pregnancy, but also fighting for women's, you know, rights in sports and athletics and, and you know, making sure that Men aren't allowed in domestic shelters when women are, you know, in those places or in female prisons where, you know, so many are getting raped or even impregnated um, by by so-called women who are transgender in those in those facilities. So there's a lot of work to be done, even around what it means to be a woman. To be a woman. And right. at this point, it's conservatives who are on the right side of that. And this this Harrisburg speech that you did, I didn't know this program existed. Again, state funded. But to say we want to help women who, who who may need some help and they want to have their baby, they want to make a choice for life, uh, but they need help to make that choice. What a what a great program! And here's what concerns me about. Um, Can I just say one thing really sure. quick, Sean, on that. There is a a, a statistic: eighty per over eighty percent of women 
who have had an abortion say they would not have had an abortion if even one person had come to their assistant and said, I will help you. So I think a lot of women choose abortion, not because they want to, but because they feel like they don't have the financial and emotional and psychological support around um, this pregnancy. And that's something that, you know, obviously the pro-life movement can do, families need to do, but there is a role for government in that as well. But, uh, there, is a, there is a role. Let's help women make decisions that work for them and their lives and their values. But what concerns me, too, is Democrats keep talking about this is an affront, this potential decision uh, of from the Supreme Court uh, uh, eradicating Roe v. Wade, sending, it, sending the issue back to the states and letting states decide the abortion issue. That's anti-democratic. This is an affront to democracy. At the time, they were saying, listen, we want to let people actually vote, which is— which is what democracy actually is, not nine justices making a decision for us, but letting people in right. states argue, debate, and then vote to decide what sh- what values uh, should be in place in regard to abortion in their state. Absolutely. And they, they say they want choice. Well, leave it up to the right. voters to decide. And, you know, you and I are such, you know, proponents of, you know, everything is local, right? And so... Why should you know a, a decision as as huge, monumental um, as you know legalizing the murder of an unborn child be left to you know seven you know or nine justices in the you know the Supreme Court? The people ought to decide. It ought to reflect their values. Frankly, I would like to see no abortion legalized. But I understand that I live in a in a you know in a country with lots of different opinions and that we are, you know, there are states' rights and that's where exactly where this decision should go. And then the work of the, of the pro-life movement, the work of Christians, the work of conservatives is to turn people's hearts towards a culture of life. And I think it's happening on many levels. I think, um, you know, technology is on our side, Sean, you know, millions and millions of moms are meeting their babies in utero and not just moms, but siblings are meeting their siblings in utero. Um, there's those 40 ultrasounds that are so, you know, uh, they're so obvious, they're so evident that, uh, you know, you cannot deny the humanity of a fetus when you see a 40 ultrasound. Um, You just can't. Um, I think people are also becoming more aware of the genocide that's happening towards people with special needs, like uh, like our little Valentina, you know, in in a lot of Nordic European countries, there are zero... um, children born with Down syndrome in, in those countries because they are literally eradicating, um, aborting an entire class of people. Um, even here in New Jersey, I'm, a, you know, at, at the public school near where I'm at, um, we're, you know, we're already looking at, at where we want to send Valentina. Um, and many of these schools that we've looked at have never seen a child with Down syndrome for 10 years. Um, how is that possible? There how were so many possible? people with Down syndrome when I was growing up that were working at the grocery store, that were doing things. Um, we're, 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 I, I would say about 80 to 90 percent of diagnosed of you know uh, women who are diagnosed with a child with Down syndrome, um, they they end up choosing abortion. So. Um, and, and, and there's a lot. There's a lot to be done in human rights on this issue. She has been a great gift to our family. And you talked about 40 ultrasounds. We've seen just the progression of the quality of ultrasounds in the 23 yes. years, 20, 21 years that we start, started having babies um, to our last baby. It's remarkable uh, the transition. And I just I got to go in a second, but I do think it's important to note that when you go to the pro-life march, you have peaceful people 
marching at the Capitol. They're not wearing, you know, the the women body part hats. They're they're not chanting nasty, crude things. They're not saying crude things. But also, again, you had the gunman at Kavanaugh's house last night. Um, you had, you know, the the, the pro life office in Wisconsin uh, firebombed Oregon. There was just one that was attacked in Buffalo. You have real violence on the left, and I, I do think it's important for all of us to remember. Let's get in the in the ring of debate. Let's do, let's debate. Let's discuss. Let's argue these issues. But that's the way you do it in a peaceful manner. Let's stay away from the violence. And I do hope that that Democrats, that the true liberals, will say, you know what. Let's go win the argument, which I hope they lose, but let's go win the argument in the public square. Let's not pick up guns you know, and Molotov cocktails and try to destroy our enemy because the whole country then devolves. But my lovely, beautiful, awesome wife of 23 years and mom of nine kids, thank you for joining me, Rachel. I'm very grateful. Oh, it's so great. It's so great being here, and good luck for the rest of your show. I'll thank, be listening. Thank you. All right, we'll be back with Fox Across America after this break. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone! 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America. Sean Duffy in for Jimmy Fallon. Now, when I was a member of Congress, I served for 10 years. Uh, and in much of that, during the Trump administration, uh, one of my favorite... Uh, folks that worked in the administration, a guy who believed in trying to give the American worker a fair shot, someone who saw that China was the greatest threat that America faced, and that if we had a fair playing field, that American America and Americans could outcompete, they could uh, outproduce, outprice anyone in China because we are the smartest, most innovative, hardest working people in America. But when you gave a leg up to China to let us cheat us and abuse us, that China would win. And he fought day and night for the American people. And that's how I got to know him. And uh, more recently, uh, I had a chance in D.C. to stop by uh, his uh, apartment. And uh, I noted that uh, his apartment was not far from the Capitol, not far from the White House, but almost right next door to the FBI. Uh, The guy I'm talking about is Dr. Peter Navarro. And we know that uh, a couple days ago, uh, the FBI uh, could have stopped over by Peter Navarro's house. Again, he's a next-door neighbor. But instead of doing that with Peter Navarro, they waited till he went to uh, Reagan National Airport and followed him there, arrested him there, put him in leg chains at 72 years old because they said he violated a subpoena from the U.S. Congress. Uh, a subpoena, uh, by the way, that uh, when I was in Congress, we had one for Eric Holder. And we referred it to the Department of Justice, but the Department of Justice didn't actually prosecute Eric Holder. But they wanted to prosecute Peter Navarro because he was such an advocate for President Trump and for the America First policies. I'm honored uh, that Peter Navarro would uh, come on the show with me today at Fox Across America. Peter Navarro, welcome to the program. My my brother, Sean, uh, you did some great things uh, when you were a congressman. Um, I remember when... uh, Donald Trump imposed the tariffs uh, to crack down on China's economic aggression, and then they went after some of Wisconsin's farmers. You and I teamed up to make sure those farmers were kept whole, and um, I uh, I always admired uh, your spirit there, brother. So it's it's good talking to you today. You're absolutely right. I do live within a stone's throw. Uh, look out my window, right right at the FBI. 
And um, I think that what what was done last week was just yet another grotesque example of this two-tier system of justice, one for the the woke uh, Democrats, uh, where everybody skates, including all the Russian hoax uh, uh, perpetrators, and then one for the uh, people who worked with the Trump administration. Um, and I, uh, I think we've reached a, a, a new low point as we, as we approach these primetime witch hunt trials tonight. Um, some of your former colleagues leading that charge um, uh, in Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And, and um, th- this is where we stand, Sean. But it's good, good to talk with well, you today. I'm happy to answer any of your questions. Well, well to that point, so Eric Holder was was found in the in contempt of Congress because he didn't comply with a subpoena. And it was a serious issue. We were dealing with fast and furious. That was the, the gun-running scheme where the People Obama administration had— Yeah, that's right. They, yeah. Sent, they sent guns down to Mexico. One of the guns that came from the administration was used to shoot a, a Border Patrol agent and killed him. Um, and Eric Holder, in defense of not complying with the subpoena, said, well, I have executive privilege. Lo and behold— uh, Peter Navarro said, I, too, have executive privilege and don't have to comply with the subpoena. But for Eric Holder, that argument worked. But for Peter Navarro, it didn't work. What's the difference? Because I don't see one. Uh, it's uh, the politicization, right. Sean, of our um, justice system, such as it is, and our legislative branch. I mean, if you look back at the genesis of this this kangaroo committee uh, on the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Um, It was originally envisioned um, as a bipartisan, bicameral commission that would have had five Democrats, five Republicans, Democrat chair, Republican vice chair. I think that President Trump would have gladly cooperated with with such a commission because, I mean, there's real issues, Sean, as to what happened on January 6th. But the issues, I think, that are the real ones are why did Nancy Pelosi allow the perimeter to be so lightly guarded? Was the FBI having informants there instigating the violences? There's plenty of uh, press coverage to indicate that that was true. Why did Mark Esper, the Secretary of Defense, have the National Guard so far away that they couldn't do rapid response. We didn't get that commission. The Congress couldn't agree on that. So Pelosi unilaterally decided to form uh, a committee. And Kevin McCarthy was asked to to put uh, the number of members on it for the Republican side, uh, including a ranking minority member, which matters for a reason I'll tell you in just a second. And Pelosi rejected every single person that McCarthy put forward. And, and so there's no ranking minority member on that committee. Now, right there, that means that committee has no legal power to issue or enforce subpoenas, full stop, because both the House resolution and the authorizing resolution for that committee say that those are the rules. No ranking minority member, no subpoenas. And, Doc, I, I'm, and, I'm and so you get back to the question. Go ahead. Oh, Doc, I, I got to go in like 20 seconds. We have a hard break. But what, what frustrates yeah. me is that Donald Trump did say, hey, this is not an insurrection. Send to the National Guard. And Nancy Pelosi and others were the ones that made the decision 
not to send them in. And and again, it's it's this is a this is a witch hunt. It's a show trial. Peter Navarro, you're a great American. Have a good day. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America. I am Sean Duffy surfing the Jimmy Fallon wave here for the next uh, 25 minutes, two hours and 35 minutes into my first time doing radio and filling in for Jimmy. What an honor. So let's talk Democrats. What do Democrats focus on? What do they think about? What are they working on? So number one, they're working on gun control. They're talking about abortion, and they're focused on their show trial tonight, uh, which is going to be aired by virtually all the networks, all about January 6th. But what do Americans care about? Americans are like, listen, I can't put gas in my car. I'm concerned about inflation. I go to the grocery store. I, I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time affording groceries for my family. And if I have a little baby or someone in my family has a baby and they're fed with formula, you can't find formula. And by the way, for rural communities where you're traveling 20, 30 minutes uh, for formula and you're you know, then going another you know, 60 miles away to another Walmart to see if they have formula, this gets to be really expensive really quickly. Um, Joe Biden, uh, his poll numbers have just dropped below 40%. This is like dumpster fire of dumpster fires. Liberals used to talk about how bad Donald Trump's polling numbers were. Joe Biden's numbers now are, are much worse than where Donald Trump was at his lowest point in any of the polling. So to talk about this more, one of the great uh, conservative minds, political minds in America, um, and almost as many kids as I have, Matt Schlapp, he is the American Conservative Union chairman, uh, he joins me now on the program. Good to see you, Matt, or talk to you, at least not see you. How you doing? Sean, great to be with you. You know, Mercy fed our kids the old-fashioned way, so I think <laughs> there's a lot of people that are going to have to relearn how to do that, it sounds like, under the Biden economy. Rachel, Rachel fed our kids the old-fashioned way. By the way, it was a lot cheaper than buying baby formula. But, <laughs> yes. our, but our last one, who had, who had Down syndrome, we needed to supplement with, with, uh, with formula. And to not be able to find that, uh, obviously very stressful for moms, but stressful for, I mean, for dads too. I mean, this is, you, you're, you're there to protect your children, feed your children. That's your job. And if you can't find baby formula, um, you'll be uh, almost as gray as I am. Not as gray as you are because you're pretty, you're, you're grayer <laughs> than I am, Matt. But Impossible. Really stressful stuff. But give me your, I mean, because this is, this for me doesn't make sense. If you're a Democrat, there's simple things that you can do to make Americans' lives better. And Democrats aren't focusing on that. There's been no tro- there's been no hearing on inflation and gas prices about the debacle um, in our withdrawal from Afghanistan. But there's a show trial on January 6th. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think, look, I think the January 6th, I call it more like a Democratic convention than a Republican congressional committee because, uh, you know, they've hired a TV producer to, sh- to, to you know, make it more dramatic. Um, and, you know, Congress is – it's impossible for Congress not to leak, and they haven't leaked anything, which tells me they don't have anything. All they have is more compelling videos of Mitt Romney and others scampering down hallways. I mean I, th- that's not enough to make people say, wait, the Republican Party is you know, aiding domestic terrorism. And it also doesn't help that the Biden administration has called all parents domestic terrorists already, and, uh, and, and now they're basically saying all Trump supporters are domestic terrorists. And now they want to say that everybody who's for voter ID is an insurrectionist. It becomes insane after a while. I mean, 
we forget why people were so exercised the last election, and it was this idea that uh, Democrats and some Republicans in Georgia could cavalierly just decide un, uh, illegally and corruptly to not follow election law. And I, I just think we ought to follow election law. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had this in the uh, Senate race in Pennsylvania where people were saying, well, there are people who voted by mail who didn't um, you know, date their ballots. And, uh, and people are saying, well, boy, that's kind of a technicality. Maybe we should count the ballots. Not if the law says you have to date it. And, and, and the law has to be upheld for Republicans and Democrats. You can't have Democrat riots all over this country, Black Lives Matter riots, the riots that were uh, in Los Angeles after the Rodney King beating, uh, the riots, the, the, the criminal behavior we see in Chicago every weekend. You can't have uh, crimes only for Republicans. And I think for too many people in this country, they believe that the Democratic Party is involved in some kind of coup towards the normal order of things. And I think this hearing is going to backfire on them. I, well, I think it is, too, because they're, they're not talking about the issues that Americans care about. I mean, that they see every single day. They're, they're focused on an issue, again, January 6th. With, if you want to remind people of that time, okay. But also it might remind people that, oh, yeah, I wish, I do- I wish Donald Trump was still the president and not Joe Biden because my life was a lot better under Donald Trump than it is under Joe Biden. But I think there's there's something I, I do think this there, there's that they are trying to fundamentally change America. Barack Obama said this. I do think this effort is afoot, whether it's, you know, at the border, opening the border to, to make sure we undermine who we are as Americans, what it means to be an American citizen is undermined, whether it's crime on the streets, um, you know, gas prices rising, inflation. I think they're trying to transform the wealth of the country, the ideas of the country. And to do that, one, you, you got to minimize and demonize your opponents. You call them white supremacists. You call them racists. But then also your ideas as, as Marxist liberals, dem, these are Democrats, by the way, but they're Marxist liberals now, when, when they're so weak, you can't stand up to criticism on Twitter and Facebook, on social media, that you're frightened of that and have to censor people because your ideas are so bad um, that's what we become. And again, what surprises me, Matt, is so many people are silenced by, by the mob. Yeah, no, it's true. And what I learned uh, in Nevada where I went after the election to check on election fraud is that that many of the whistleblowers who were inside the count room who called my cell phone, they somehow got my cell phone, and they were like, if I, if I, if I talk about the wrongdoing, I'm really worried about the violence that could hit my family. And so when you read about the violence aimed at Brett Kavanaugh, uh, Supreme Court justice, because uh, he's part of the nine people that will vote on whether or not Roe v. Wade is upheld, when you remember that the Republican baseball team, uh, congressional baseball team, was targeted by an insane individual who was so mad at the Republican Party he wanted to start assassinating congressmen and almost did kill Steve Scalise and many others like Roger Williams and others. And you know, so th- this comes home to the fact that in our country, there's a, there's a way to do things. If you want to change the Constitution, there's a way to do that through the amendment process. Uh, if you want to impact the Supreme Court, you impact the Senate, um, and you try to impact that vote. But once those guys are on the court, those people, it's a crime to try to influence them and to try to use uh, violence to intimidate them. And and why, by the way, Sean, why aren't we upholding these statutes? Does anybody have any doubt that if these were MAGA people or conservatives trying to imp- 
impact Justice Sotomayor or someone else? Does anyone have any doubt that uh, the the DOJ would be right there to do that? FBI would be there. They would be in the clink and prosecuted, um, probably in solitary confinement like the folks from January 6th until their trials a year later. That's right. And that, that's the problem we have. Like, even with the crimes, the property crimes and other crimes associated with one six, you our Constitution is very clear. You have to be charged. You have to have an attorney um, and you have to have due process. It, just because you're in Washington, D.C. and you're a Republican and a Trump supporter, you're not deprived of due process. Look, people have a variety of viewpoints on Peter uh, Navarro. Um, you know, he's not my favorite Trump uh, staffer, but he doesn't deserve to have his constitutional rights taken away just because he rubs some people the wrong way. We can't run a country this way, and it's really, really frightening. But And again, there's a lot of conversation on the left about uh, conservative violence, Republican violence, extreme right violence. Whenever I see violence on the right, I condemn it, and you do too. And if we see violence on the left, we condemn that as well. I, I was hosting Cudlow yesterday. By the way, I'm going to host Cudlow again today, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on uh, the Fox Business Network. But I was talking to Rand Paul, and Rand Paul was on the baseball field. We're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the shooting on the baseball field where you mentioned Steve Scalise almost lost his life. But Rand Paul was also in his yard and was attacked by a neighbor and put in the hospital because of political violence. I don't know if you remember. Maybe you were there, Matt, uh, when when the convention for the RNC in 2020 was held at the White yeah, House. Yeah, I was there. Rand Paul was leaving the White House with his wife and violent, vile people saying the nasty, I can't repeat it, the nastiest things to his wife. And now we have, you know, pro-life facilities in New York, in Oregon, in Wisconsin, um, attacked, firebombed. And this violence all seems to be okay on the left. And what concerns me is that if we don't have both sides calling out the violence uh, and only one side calling out the violence, what you're going to de- what you're going to see is the left says it's okay for me to accomplish my objectives through violence because I'm from a party that supports violence if I believe I'm right politically and that is I mean devastating for the country and for the norms that we've had of debate and voting every democrat who has gone on and goes on television and justifies political violence should immediately be held accountable. We cannot allow this anymore because people, more people are going to get shot, more people are going to get harmed. The Democratic Party has as part of its lobbying process violence. No, no Democrat, no major Democrat really went out and took Black Lives Matter to task for the cops who were shot, for the cop cars that were burned, for the buildings that were burned down. Nancy Pelosi famously said, well, I guess people will do things. That was as close as she could come to criticizing what happened throughout that whole long summer. And, uh, and that's what I'm telling you. When, I, when people see wrongdoing and they know that they should be a whistleblower and step forward, they're worried about the violence. If Justice, is, if justice Kavanaugh uh, can have someone get that close to his house uh, where he has two beautiful daughters um, – and Democrats aren't routinely condemning this. I mean, they're not even covering the story, Sean. Well, um, I, this is an outrage. I, I mentioned that earlier. I, I'm not, I can't say that no one covered it, but when I watched the different networks yesterday, I didn't see any coverage on a gunman who went to a Supreme Court justice's home. Even I mean, Joe Biden did not, you know, make a verbal statement. Did co- didn't cover it last night on Jimmy Kimmel talking about 
quelling the anger and the violence from the left. He didn't mention it. By the way, he didn't even send out a press release on White House stationery, White House letterhead. They just gave like a quote where he said, I you know, condemned the violence. But where was Nancy Pelosi? Where's Democrat leaders in the House? Where's Chuck Schumer, Democrat leaders in the Senate? You hear them, you hear nothing. The, the silence is deafening. And the problem with that is that these, these leftists believe that their, their violence will be celebrated. People will appreciate their violence, taking their activism um, to the destruction of another's personal rights. That's what concerns me. And that's why, again, I, I just I, I implore, I compel Democrats, stand up against it. Because if you don't, and the left uses violence, eventually the right will use violence too. And all of a sudden we devolve into chaos in this country, far from what our founders believed we should be, which is a democracy that debates and votes. You can't have a country and have a two-tiered system uh, of justice. And John Edwards talked about that in terms of the poor and the rich. Black Lives Matter talks about that in terms of the color of your skin. But what we're seeing more and more, at least in federal crimes around Washington, D.C., it's all about your politics. Sussman gets off. Every Democrat seems to get off in the D.C. area when they're when they're caught red-handed with crimes. Hillary Clinton was caught red-handed with crimes. Hunter Biden, red-handed with crimes, and nothing happens. But if you're a Republican and you're in the D.C. area, you're in the D.C. vicinity, you could be in a solitary confinement for a year. And you said that that's true about one six. You know, Paul Manafort made mistakes, but did he deserve to be in solitary confinement for years because of tax evasion? I know people who have uh, committed that crime, and usually they're they they, they got to go to some kind of like horse farm for a little bit, and they got to pay all the restitution. Uh, this has to end in this country. Like, I'm not saying I want a better system for Republicans or Trump supporters or conservatives. I just want the same system. The same. And if Washington D.C. can't really have it have an equally blind justice system, then we can't have any more trials in Washington D.C. We got to do the trials somewhere else where people are fair-minded and not so partisan. I think what's important is the next Republican president has to be focused on bringing the FBI and the DOJ and every other agency in government back to center, actually implementing the policies of the person that was elected president, not this deep state that does the will of a dark, shadowy political movement. And again, you've seen the FBI and the DOJ fill up with all these radical liberals, and they do the work of the Democrat Party uh, prosecuting Republicans, putting Peter Navarro in leg chains. He's a 72-year-old man um, who lives right down the street from, uh, from the FBI. But as you, you point out, you know, Sussman and Hillary Clinton, they, they all go off uh, you know, without prosecution, without penalty. And uh, again, I think it's Republicans' fault for not cleaning out the swamp, the stank, that's in those agencies, and we need a smart leader. If it's if Donald we Trump, them. if he is if he is elected, he better put smart people in. If Ron DeSantis is elected president, you need to put the smartest people in and set them free to drain those swamps that are in Washington D.C. that our political, you know, hacks occupy for a lifetime. You know, the Republican Party has accommodated the swamp because people like me who are trying to raise their family here. The rule we were taught is. If you're too aggressive, they'll come after you. And so all of us were just a little bit careful in how we approached the swamp. And Donald Trump came to town, and he broke it wide open. And he made it um, more acceptable for us to call it what it is. And it is a broken, corrupt system where Democrats uh, are, are, are get the benefit and Republicans 
um, are punished. And, uh, you know, the, the country is watching this, Sean, and they are outraged over this. I just came back from Kansas, my home state, and people are just outraged, and they're really worried about their country. And I agree with you. I'm very worried about violence erupting. If you can't have an election that the American people, at least our side, feels was run fairly, um, if you can't get a jury trial where they think it's run fairly, if you can't have the FBI uh, be nonpartisan and treat you fairly, what do we have left? You're right. This is a, a devolving of the institutions that we need to trust. I want people to trust the criminal justice system, that it's going yeah. to be fair, that that lady justice is going to be blind. It doesn't matter your party, your wealth, the, the color of your skin. The language that you speak, our justice system is blind to all of that. Um, and uh, so true. But I think you're right. Americans and especially conservative Americans are losing faith, losing trust in those institutions and in their elections. And I I believe that both sides have to trust in the results of those elections. Matt Slap, I got to go. But I would just like to mention CPAC in Dallas, August 4th through the 7th. Go check it out. It's going to be great. More shortly with Fox Across America. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. Sean Duffy here, closing out three hours for Jimmy Fallon. I gotta, does Jimmy actually get paid for this? Is this a job? He gets to sit and talk for three hours? How awesome is that? So, listen, it's important to always have faith and always have hope. Our founders are brilliant. Every two years, there's an election for the House. Everybody in the House is up. A third of the Senate is up. All this uh, coming November. If you don't like the course this country is on, you don't like the direction, you have an opportunity to vote in November of this year and change everybody in the House and one-third of the Senate. You can change the course of the country. Elections matter. Getting involved matters, whether it's for the House, the, the Senate, whether it's your Local uh, officials, your your assembly, your senate, your town boards, your school boards, all of them matter. But most importantly, the most important jobs we do is being parents, raising good kids and great families. It has been a joy to be with all of you. Fox Across America, Sean Duffy here, in for Jimmy Fela. Until next time, check out Cuddle Tonight, Fox Business, 4 p.m. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.